left, right. Yo, what is up, my friends? Thank you for joining me on this episode of Sip Talk. We are talking about uh, or disagreeing about whether or not this is the weakest generation. Everybody thinks the following generation is the weakest, and nobody thinks uh, thinks their own generation is the weakest. But I, uh, I'm thinking if you were born in the last 30 or 40 years, you might be weak. Um, that's my perspective. Listen on. Here are talking points. Let me know if you agree or disagree, but I think we have it pretty damn easy. All right, I'll see you on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 All right, that's a long pour. I think I just heard you crack a can. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I'll give you one guess as to what it was. I have a feeling it's Bush Ice. Hello, everyone. This is Sip Talk, episode 143. My name is Justin Julio, out of my basement in New Jersey, joined by James the Bosnator Boswell out of Charleston, South Carolina. James is a philosopher, an archi- uh, referee. <laughs> Architect. <laughs> uh referee accountant and uh did i say philosopher what am i missing here and a bartender james man of many titles he's here he's uh he's not queer and he's uh well he's gonna steer us in the right direction he's drinking beer he's drinking beer there you go uh either way we're we're running a little late tonight for those of you that are watching live those of you guys that are watching us live thank you for joining send us your questions tonight we are talking about whether or not uh, we're, we are the weakest generation, which I believe we are uh, a little prior, a little bit prior to the podcast going live. Sounds like James doesn't think we are. Either way, I, uh, I, I raced in, James, from the, from the train. That's why we're running late. Trains suck, by the way. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out my little notebook, my handy-dandy notebook with my notes. And uh, it, so what we were just saying 40 seconds ago, is that you got a new chair yeah you know this is so this is how stupid i am um <laughs> so i got the chair and i guess i wanted to get something that, like since i spend 90 percent of my day in front of my computer for work um like i should get a better chair for those of you who can't see james has like a recaro racing it, this looks like he's driving like an audi r8 um and it wasn't that expensive be, it was like it look it looks like there should be 300 bucks it looks like there should be a seat belt attached to this chair. Right, um, yeah, that would be cool. But um, so I'm assembling the chair today and I get it all put together and it's not particularly difficult. You just follow the steps and like take your time with it. And when I have it finally put together, one thing that I noticed is that like it leans forward. So like most chairs, when they rock, like you can go back and forth like this. And I was like, who the hell designs a chair to lean forward? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you did. You mounted you mounted the seat on the base backwards. Yeah, it took me embarrassingly long to figure out that that was the problem. That it wasn't the chair being designed stupidly. I was like, who in Chinese Chinese people just like want to lean further into their computer screen to like work that much harder? Oh my god. Um, Do you know how many chairs that I have assembled in building a real estate office? 
Uh, I mean, at one point we had chairs to seat like 86 people in the office. And for the most part, I assembled each and every one by hand. Yet, I know exactly what you're talking about because I know how confusing it can be when assembling the chairs, like which is the front side of the base. Well, and the thing is, the the instructions were basically in Chinese. Like, yes, they were written in English, but they might as well have been Chinese because that's who wrote them was a Chinese person. Um, and so, like, it, it wasn't too bad. But and just to double down on how stupid I am, when I finally realized that maybe I had the like the the wheelbase bracket mounted wrong. I looked and sure enough, like stamped into the metal is it's the word. Front. Yeah, I know. I, I, I've, I've seen this. We have. Uh, so I've, I was I was actually I was thinking oh, I want to say the name, but just I'm going to say that. So Adam, for the last three years, bought his own chair, assembled it and his that were your the armrests. Mm -hmm. So you, he can't sit like this. The armrests are actually backwards, so they don't extend forward. So the only way for, for him to put his arms back are like this, which is. Which is as awkwardly. It, it would take him like five minutes to switch the armrests. Yeah, exactly. But but in order for him to set his arms comfortably, he has to kind of do this weird Tyrannosaurus Rex like short arms. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of uncomfortable, though, speaking of uh, bridge and tunnel, which we are not, but I am. Bridge. So you you know the the term bridge and tunnel. You know what that means? Um. No. It, it's it's so uh, if you're if you live in Manhattan. Bridge and tunnel typically means like people from Long Island, Staten Island, outer boroughs. Um, and for the most part, people in Manhattan kind of look down on the bridge and tunnel crowd. They're responsible so, for the traffic. They're the ones that come in and kind of go wild in the city because like it's new to them. And, it, and so that's stupid to me because there's a shorter phrase for this that's also easier to understand, which is commuter. Yeah, I knew you were going to say commuter either way. It's called bridge and tunnel because to get to Manhattan, you got to go through a bridge or go through a tunnel. But I am now bridge and tunnel and it fucking blows being bridge and tunnel because the commute is uh, insane commute. It's it sucks. And then when you're in the tunnel, not so much as the bridge you're in the tunnel, there's no cell phone reception. And for whatever reason, the tunnels are the place where the tracks get fucked when the when we get like rain and bad, crazy, severe weather. For some reason, like this isn't hard to think about where it <laughs> The tunnels are underwater. <laughs> exactly. But, well, that's the reason. But you figure in 2020 when we're like trying to figure out how we can manipulate the uh, environment on Mars, uh, you know, we're, we're fucked with our tunnels under the Hudson fucking river in New York. Well, there's no rain on Mars. Well, fair enough. Either way. It'd be today, easier to build a tunnel there. Today, speaking of rain, uh, I was, you know, I was... <laughs> Grab lunch in a in a bar tonight. I was trying to figure out what we were going to talk about, and I was thinking maybe we talk about like bar food or uh, or Guinness beer and how nobody seems to like Guinness beer. I like well, Guinness beer. Guinness beer is the second most overrated beer, and it's close between Guinness and the beer that's tied for it. Which is the beer? You that's know, tied for it? is it Stella? Yes, Stella? yes, it is. Good yeah. job. Yeah. Uh, this is when I when I would when back when I was bartending and I was hanging out with other bartenders. This was always a discussion that I like to have with them. I was like, "What's the most overrated beer? What's the most overrated liquor?" And like some of the bartenders would be like, "I'm not really sure," or whatever. And then I'd tell them Stella, and they're like, "Fuck, you're right." It's either they guessed Stella on the first time, or they went with Guinness, which I consider to be like tied for first. Well, the issue is if you and, if you don't know about beer. Right. Like if, if you walk into a bar and you're like, 
I, I want a whiskey. <laughs> They're like, all right, so you don't know anything about whiskey, right? If somebody orders a whiskey, you're like, I don't know. There's times know. where I go into a bar and I'll just order like a shot of whiskey. Because well, in, in the South, a shot of whiskey usually means bourbon. Yes, but you should be asking for bourbon if you know what you're talking about. And also, you don't want to get something really, really crappy. Yes, I do. That's why I'm ordering a shot of whiskey. Well, if that's your intent, then that's <laughs> You're in, with intent. That's refined enough. All right. So look, we gotta we gotta get on top. We gotta. Oh, we gotta no, we gotta about. answer the the most overrated liquor one real real quick. All right, and then we're gonna and then I promise whoever's listening, we're gonna talk about why you are a weak, crying baby in 2021. All right. All right. So, what's your most overrated liquor? Overrated liquor. Uh, I feel like it's gonna be like a, like a gray goose or something. Um, so if I was so, Grey Goose is slightly well, overrated. It's not so, the most so, overrated. So, what is somebody going to walk into a bar and they're going to order, thinking they know their shit, but like they don't know their shit? That's kind of my my thinking when it comes to. Yeah, that's the right way to look at it. Is what's a what's a liquor that markets itself and prices itself as super premium, but isn't. So like Grey Goose is a good answer there because it's marketed as like really high end. I know, I got it's... it. I got it. I'm a, I'm all over it. Patron. No, because Patron's ah. actually decent tasting. It's overpriced for what all it right. is, but give it me, doesn't taste bad. Give, give, give me give me the damn answer. Crown Royal. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, Think about it. Have you actually tasted Crown Royal? Yes, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's not very good. It's. It w- uh, Brian Rainey on, on uh, Facebook also said Patron, but no, Crown Royal Patron is, is overrated, but it's not like something where like if I drink Patron, I'm like, this tastes decent. If I drink Crown Royal, I'm like, why the fuck did I even pay for that? Well, that's kind of how I, like I used to drink probably a handle of Doers a week and Doers I, to me was kind of like but isn't Doers isn't marketed as high end. Exactly. Yeah. yeah but you're right. Crown, Crown Royal to me is the same level as, as Doers. I actually like Doers a little better. Doers is better and it's cheaper so yeah but, but it's again it's more crown, right crown royal is more expensive and tastes worse but people think it's really good because it's got the name royal in it and crown and it's marketed <laughs> and it's got like a fancy velvet bag it's, it comes with a velvet bag purple velvet yeah. bag so if it's called royal and it has a crown and it comes with a velvet bag that's purple and purple screams royalty of course yeah. Right, and there are some bars that I worked in that charge like ten or eleven bucks a shot for Crown Royal, and like if you're paying ten or eleven bucks a shot for anything, it should be like a thirty or forty dollar bottle, and it should be actually good. Crown Royal actually is about a thirty dollar bottle, but it tastes yeah, like right. a twelve dollar bottle. Yeah, but it tastes it tastes yeah like two words. Uh, all right, so let's let's. I feel like, uh, although I was napping while I was stuck underground, I feel like we may have a bit of a disconnect here, whereas I feel like we are in the weakest generation. And I look at my peers uh, and, uh, well, you know, I got I got this house now in New Jersey and we got a lot of work we got to do out here. But I've been doing a lot of this shit by hand. And people are like, well, how did you figure that out? I'm like, I don't know. I just like. Like the person that was going to install it probably like graduated high school and, and went to work shadowing somebody else. But they had a high school education and a, they, you know, they, they didn't pass a calculus class. And I'm not calling them dumb. I don't think I don't think intelligent people are only people who can do calculus. But, you know, just like I look at doctors and I'm like, well, they don't have any superpowers. Right. Like they just went to school long enough to be able to, to do this. But 
they're not they're not diagnosing me with uh, you know 168 issues they're they're kind of dose, uh, diagnosing me like I'm telling what the symptoms are they can look it up and then there's four things that it could be so point is so that, the common thread here is experience less intelligence yeah but I don't I don't think that there's a great difference in intelligence when it comes to different things so I manage there to, is but well, well th- that but that's actually where I I will give certain like contractors and people who you wouldn't think to be intelligent a like an upper hand where like you're faced with an issue and rather than say well this you know we just we can't figure it out they manage to figure it out well and and that's where the experience comes in is like you could probably figure it out but it would take you longer because you haven't seen the problem before and and that's and that's where i recognize where I run into issues with doing things, but then I do my research and learn from people who have figured that out. And typically I will learn from several people by watching YouTube videos and, you know, you know, I just don't want one person's perspective on it. Well, and those are good strategies, but there are some things that like, it's pretty hard for someone, even if they're intelligent to do well, um, just because you don't have the tools available to you. Like, a year and a half ago when I was rebuilding my computer, there was a problem that I ran into with like the CPU overheating and, and, and I couldn't me, figure it out because I was wiring. You didn't have the right screwdrivers. You didn't have the Torx screwdrivers. No, 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 no. I had, I had all the tools that I needed and I had everything wired up correctly and everything. And what it turned out to be was the liquid cooling unit that I was trying to install had gone bad. Like the motor was gone or something like it had burned out. And so I'm installing this unit properly, but the unit itself is burned out. So I don't know that. So I finally got to the point where I was like, I can't fix this. So I brought it to a shop and they're like, yeah, that unit's burned out. You're going to need to get a new one. So that's not something I would have been able to easily find out on my own because I don't have the tools to test an individual part. Yeah. Well, look. I feel like we're, we're going in a different direction than, well, <laughs> than I want to. But I think we're on the same page here. Uh, I think we're we're very much in the same page. Are you? Well, are here's you, the analogy. Are you I, something the CPU out of your computer right now. No, no, no. So I've got uh, a little Wi-Fi antenna that's like jammed into my desk, and it fell out. So I just jammed it back in there. Uh, all right. Um, so, well, here here's what I want. I, here's a way that we can dovetail. So, just about experience and skill sets. So, you think that this generation is super weak. And I don't think that it's necessarily, I think the comparisons that you're making are selective because the generation, this new generation might not have the ability to do some of the things that we do well, as well as we can, but there are other things that this generation does much better than us. And we don't see that because they're not really relevant to us. Uh, probably the biggest one is being able to navigate online spaces and new technology better than we can. I will. Well, I think you're speaking from your personal perspective, but I think I navigate the the online spaces pretty well. But that, but the issue is keeping up with it. You're not a social media person, so you dive in at any point in time, and you have to learn a whole new language. Right. And I, I have kind of learned the language as it's progressed. But it's it's still I think that there and, and again, like you might be good at it, but 
you have to take yourself out of it and think people in our generation take our age and i would say plus or minus five i think on aggregate kids that are like between 10 and 20 years old or whatever on aggregate are much better at navigating through these online spaces and understanding what's going on in the world today in the way that it's presented to them better than we are fair enough let me ask you a question do you think with enough time and resources that you could recreate uh i don't want to say facebook because it's a little more complex but let's say instagram from a coding aspect could i yes and then if you gave me infinite time to learn coding sure but but, i would but but and then and then you break it down do you think you could build a computer i don't say i'm not saying build the processors but basically put the parts together for a computer and then if you were to look at the circuit boards within the computer have a basic understanding of what they are i mean i already know how to do that okay do you I think build some, you, you think somebody who's 19 years old today could code a, a simple program and have a basic understanding of a a more complex program and put together a device and understand the components of a device I think that the 19 year old is going to have a better understanding of coding at age 19 than somebody you have to, you can't compare someone who's 19 to someone who's 35 or 40 because I've got 15 or 20 years on these people. So that experience is going to be worth more, but me at 19, my, my understanding of coding at age 19, probably worse than the average 19 year old today. My understanding of computer hardware probably better, but that's because I grew up on computers and I built my own computers basically since I was a kid. So that's not a fair comparison. All right. Um, but well, it's okay. So outside of the technology realm, I was thinking, kind of in gathering my thoughts today before we went live while I was taking some notes, is that society, kind of humanity, for it to for it to grow each successive generation needs to do better by the following generation needs needs to make the following generation better off, which, which therein lies the issue. Whereas if you're eliminating the hardship that you grew up in to any degree, you are producing a society for the following generation to grow up in, which has less hardship. Right. But, um, so, so sure. You, you need might... to make sure that you're defining things correctly because hardship can be both a good and a bad thing, and you can't, you can't, so you can't say that hardship is only good or only bad. So, some hardship holds you back because you have to struggle harder just to make progress, and then some hardship makes you a stronger person because you learn to pers- through, persevere through adversity. Well, and, so, and, that's, and that's kind of what I'm getting at is people who grow up in adversity learn how to persevere, whereas, yes, but you the, can't the leave, following, but hardship is not exclusively a good thing to go through. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that it is. But the the learning the ability to persevere is a an important quality. I want to respond to it's gorgeous. Um, she's saying that this this generation is more resilient as it as it pertains to careers we're more we're we're more worried about stability whereas and i think you can see you can definitely see a trend going from like the older generations than ours to us 
to like the in what, like whatever generations in between us and whatever the teenagers are right now like you can see a pretty straight line decline in terms of like career loyalty and company loyalty and willing to stay with one job for a long time. Well, 50 yeah, years ago, you got a job and that was your job for life. Yeah. I was just going to say, look at our parents and especially the generation before our parents. Mm -hmm. You got one job and you worked it for life, which is why pensions and things like that made sense and worked. But today, people work a job for a year or eight months or three years and abandon ship and continually try to upgrade. So, you know, do you know why that is? Um, no paradox of choice, something along those lines. I don't think so. My view as to why 50 years ago, like my mother well, I, worked one job her entire life. My father but, also the same thing, but, like uh, their adult life. Like, but I also think that there was less opportunity. Well, so here's the reason why I think more people change careers more often is 50 years ago, large companies or employers did a better job of taking care of their employees. Wages were higher, benefits were better, and companies were much less likely to lay off employees during any, like a small downturn or whatever. Like you, you didn't have companies just like immediately um, tighten the books and, and lay off people. They would keep employees on through various business cycles. Yeah, um, I, I, I definitely... So so I loyalty went both ways. I agree with you. I agree with you that way. I completely agree with you that way, that the businesses were much more loyal to their employees. And there is considerably fewer businesses today that are concerned with the people that have built the business. So the reason why people leave work is really the, the three reasons. One is they can get paid more somewhere else. Two the environment in which they're working becomes untenable. Either they've got a terrible boss or they just hate the work. Or three, they have some kind of life circumstance change. Either they have to move or like they have kids and they don't have as much time to put towards work, those kinds of things. And so I think the, the one that we're seeing more than anything else is like since employers are offering less money to, to retain employees, you have this op like right now it's better for you to change jobs every two or three years because companies will pay more to bring on someone new than to hire somebody else than to raise wages for someone that they already have like that's why i changed jobs in the last year is i was with my firm for about three years and didn't see as much in terms of salary growth as i wanted and then my brother but, offered me the opportunity to take this job. It was a 33% raise. But is but getting back to topic here, is that making people stronger or weaker? Neither. I, I, I think, and that's why I feel like we're a bit off topic with, with what you're sharing. And I'm trying to draw comparisons to different, the way now. that generations approach, approach things. And I think that, I don't think that it's fair to just call this newest generation weak because on what on what grounds are you assessing them as weak? Well, I think that just like we said, adversity basically breeds a population that has to push through adversity, kind of like 
uh, almost like a Darwinistic approach. So, you know, when there is adversity for people to grow, they have to press through the adversity. And without adversity, people aren't at working as hard. They're not as create uh, courageous. They're not as hardworking. And I feel like what we're doing with humanity is creating a softer and softer place, uh, living space for people to live in. And I think actually to a degree, that is the purpose of humanity. But that could also lead to our biggest downfall is that we create an issue like global, like climate change or something like that, that we're just completely incapable because we're all just fucking comfortable as shit. And think well, about like World War II where we had like rations and, and you know, like right now people don't want to fucking not water their lawn to conserve water. Whereas back in the day, people had to like live on, on rations because we needed to. Okay, so there's a lot going on things. there. Yeah, all right. So, well, all right. So, but I think you uh, get my 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 overarching. Point. Yeah. Uh, so the first one, in terms of like people not wanting to um, forego water in their lawn, or more topically, people refusing to get vaccinated or wear masks or anything, has to do more with a societal shift that we've seen in the last seventy or eighty years, especially towards a more individualistic approach. Because if you look at other countries, you look at countries like Japan that have a much more societal, communal approach to things, um, you'll get people to do things and make sacrifices for the common good. And it's really gone the opposite direction in the United States. So that's not so much an entitlement or adversity thing. It, like in terms of the origins of like our more individualistic approach and how that's accelerated in the last 50 years, I don't really know where that comes from. Um, I'm going to, uh, my, my thought is that it has to do something with the baby boomers and I'll come back to that. But when it comes to adversity and hardship and everything, like sure, there's benefits to having to push through unpleasant circumstances, but at the same time, those circumstances are also holding you back. And so you talk about how every generation should try and leave things in a better place for the next generation. Well, one of the consequences of that is that the next generation is going to face less quote unquote adversity than you did. Well, that's and my point. And I feel like the, the, with building humanity that way, we're creating less and less adversity and adversity creates stronger people. Yeah, but the thing is, it also holds them back in it, it by not having to face adversity in the ways that we did. The younger generation is free to pursue things that we didn't have the opportunity to pursue. Okay, cool. But you can pursue your, your art career where you want to paint ponies, but that doesn't make you a stronger person. And the topic is, are we the weakest generation? So because you don't have to cut down trees to burn fucking logs in your in your wood oven, now you can paint ponies. That doesn't make you a stronger person because you're pursuing your passion of painting horses. OK, that's that's the point that I'm making. Uh, well, and we, we can talk. You want to read uh, Brian Rennie's quote? Brian says, you can't call them weak because they understand their worth. Unlike many of us, finding someone or a company who is willing to pay you what you feel you're worth is a level of adversity, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I'm not I'm not calling somebody weak. I'm not calling somebody weak for changing careers. And that's why I said when we were talking so, about that, we were kind of getting off topic. But so I what, think what I'm getting what I'm hang on. What, what, sorry, because you touched on this and I, I made a note that I wanted to talk about is that 
right now, I feel like what people's greatest causes is self, right? So, what we, you know, in the past, we've had to overcome things as... Uh, uh, Hi, Lisa. Since she's only going to be here for a second. Uh, no, but the, the quote that I have here is that we lack greater cause than self. So in the past, we've had to rally behind ideas or rally behind World War II, for example, or whatever else. And but now it's all about the individual and the self. Well, yeah, and I, I, I want to try and better understand where that comes from. But one other, I want to respond to one other point that you made about global warming and everything and how, like, if we get too comfortable, we're just not going to deal with global warming because we don't know how to handle adversity. I, I think that that is completely misunderstanding the situation right now. Do you know what generation is fighting hardest for reforms to mitigate global warming? Uh, hopefully the, the most recent generation, the youngest, the yeah. youngest generation is the ones who like, if you look at polling data sorted by age and see like, what are the greatest threats to our, our like to us right now? Like the younger, the generation, the higher they rank global warming. You know who's opposing it is the people that are 60, 70, and 80 who don't give a shit because they're old and they'll die before it really becomes a problem for them. Well, and guess think, who also makes all the policy decisions? Well, I don't think that they that they don't that they don't support change because they they're just gonna because they know they're gonna be dead before it's an issue. I actually don't. I think they believe that it's a non-issue. I don't. I don't think that they're that they're like this is an issue. I'm going to ignore it because I'm going to die by then. I think well, that actually for the same reason that older people don't believe in gay marriage or don't believe in equal rights for races or women or whatever else. It's because that's what they were. That's what they were raised in. So that the foundation of their life is kind of based in things that they can't, they can't even understand or comprehend it being challenged. So, but, but, and yes, you're right that right now the people in their 50s, 60s, 70s are the ones that are making the policies and that's slow. They're, they're being canceled and they're being pushed out. And, and the youngest generation are the ones that are, that are championing yeah. the cause. You know, I want to address something else that you just brought up that I think actually makes it's really important, which is you can talk about the racism and discrimination that was really normalized for people that are 50, 60 or 70 when they were growing up and how much of a societal shift we've had against that and how much more accepting and open the youngest generation is. Sometimes they take it a little bit too far where they're too accepting of things. And I'll, I'll grant that point, but the overall that like that's, that's them eliminating adversity, not only for themselves, but for like these marginalized groups that are discriminated against. And like, I think that that's a really good thing that we've got this younger generation that's more sensitive to the causes of oppressed. Yes, I think at times that, that could be good. But but back to what I said a, a second ago is that people are championing championing self and not and not greater cause. And people aren't looking at and people are spending too much time looking at other groups as other rather than we're all in this together. And 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 that's that's the biggest issue I have with any of the causes that are happening now is they're all agenda driven and they're not comprehensive. Not, not comprehensively designed, but, but that, again, we're, that's, you know, we're kind of, we're tangent to the point that, that I want to be discussing about how, and I'll read a quote. I don't actually know who said it, but 
the quote is hard times create strong men good times create weak men weak men create hard times and i feel like you know we've had a generation before us that had it worse off than we did who made it very soft for us i don't think that the boomers actually had it all that hard if you were born in the 50s think about now think about growing up being born in 1955 so your parents your parents went through hard times they went through the great depression they went through world war ii but if you were born in 1955 your early childhood was during probably the greatest economic economic expansion ever seen in this country the really? 60s were largely a continuation of that until the late 60s okay but hold up back up though so that's great the economy is good but your parents don't talk to you right they lock you out of the house your parents don't talk to each other so uh, socially things aren't great so yeah i get i get it economically things are things are good but I don't think that things were great. Well, I think that what you saw in like the late 60s and early 70s was a backlash against the stifled social order that these kids saw their parents go through. And they said, we don't want that. Completely agreed. The, the speed and the acceleration that was that was caused by whatever catalyst happened that caused the, I guess the catalyst is whatever catalyst it was that caused that in the late sixties, I feel like is very similar to whatever we're going through now where gender pronouns are more confusing, you know, than the fucking alphabet. It's, I don't it's, think it's even remotely comparable in terms of scale, but I think, I think what's what happened in speed, where as a couple would meet, Basically, if you if you met a if you were a man, you met a woman in the 40s or 50s and you had one date for the most part, that was your soulmate. Like you were just you were going to be together, whereas in the late 60s, you were sleeping with somebody else every other day. You were trying out different drugs. And, you know, if 1964, your hair did not exceed uh, your ear, your ears as a male as a male 1969 you you were not socially accepted if you didn't have long hair as a male now what i'm saying is that that speed for for what changed in society then is very very similar to what's happening now in terms of gender fluidity and everything that's happening that i can't wrap my head around but neither also, can i honestly but but also i'm not 17 years old or i'm not 21 years old so i'm not in the thick of it so for example somebody who's 40 years old in 1969 is gonna is is, is gonna say what the fuck is going on here and they're gonna be the square old man right so what's really you, you just brought up a really interesting point that i want to i want to go into more which is that i think you can draw you you can every society since the dawn of time since the dawn of civilization Every generation has shat on the younger generation. Yes, it's, I, and we've like, talked. We've talked about this quite a bit. We've talked about this quite a bit. But, but I'm shitting on our own generation and and giving props to the generation before us, saying that they had more adversity than we do. We, you can lose a fucking baseball season 
or soccer season and still get a trophy. So I thought we were talking about the generation younger than ours, not our own. Well, I'm talking about both. I'm going both ways. I'm, I'm looking at the generation younger than us and our gen- I'm, I'm looking at it backwards rather than looking forward. So, yeah, you can shit on the generation forward from you. But what I'm saying is look, look over your shoulder, bro. Like, look over your shoulder and say, hey, they had it tougher than we did. And, and my question is, did they really? Well, I feel like today people create a lot of their own drama. Whereas people previous to us, prior to us, had enough drama. They didn't have to create their own drama. Well, you know what my answer is to the cause of that is? Social media. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, hold on. Well, so one other thing that, that's really important is, and I don't think, I haven't mentioned this yet, but I think it's important to, to discuss is that our generation and the generation that's younger than ours are in terms of psychological and psychiatric medication are the most medicated um, generations. Uh, Very, very valid point. And like I was talking with my mom about, she had a student that was doing student teaching at a, a high school in Albany, New York. And it was maybe like fourth graders that she was teaching. Right. And she was talking about, how many of her fourth graders were on like powerful antipsychotics and powerful and, and other powerful psychiatric meds. And like, these are and like, or like benzodiazepines at age nine or teaching, like teaching zombies. She was teaching yeah. zombies. And, and the thing is these psychiatric drugs have a long-term lasting effects in both brain development and physiological changes. And by introducing these drugs to kids, like kids haven't changed from a hundred years ago. What's changed is how we deal with them. And uh, completely, the problems completely that kids u- had 50 years ago still exist today, exactly the same. And the only thing is now we, we, we medicate them instead of pushing the problems through some other channel. Well, look, kids, kids are learning machines. What kids do is from birth, they soak up information around them and then translate it through what they already have been exposed to. That's mm-hmm. it. You soak up information around you and then translate it to what you've already been exposed to. Well, and they're but constantly trialing things. They but, see somebody else do something, so they try it and they see if it works for them themselves. Kids they, imitate all the time. But until until your brain gets to a certain age and it's it's between, I think, like 18 and 23, does it really stop that? absorption and learning phase but it, it, it significantly decelerates but but kids are basically like uh, uh effectively like sponges like they're constantly soaking up and squeezing out and soaking up and squeezing out mm-hmm. up, up until whatever age so the fact that you're just going to like medicate a kid is really going to slow down the soak up process and basically make it less uh what's permeable and and also slow down the squeeze out phase so they're just they're not they're not you're just changing the brain behavior of children and I uh, let me just illustrate with how wild this is um this is anecdotal and this is just from my own personal experience but like if i start seeing a girl and she's not on some kind of like med like either like adderall or a benzo 
or like some kind of antipsychotic or whatever. I'm like, this is weird. Like, I, it's so hard for me to find like an unmedicated chick. It just seems like everybody is medicated. I'm sure this is true for du- dudes too. I just don't date dudes. Um, uh, I well, <laughs> damn. All right, that's that's very true. That's very true. I don't know. I've I've not dated. I've not had serious relationships with uh, women that that I know about there. Uh, what, what would you call it? Psychological drug, uh, psychiatric uh, meds, whatever. Psych- yeah, but like, think yeah. think about how many women you've met that are on some form of psychiatric medication. <sighs> I, you know, I don't get that deep. Although, it, you know, Rain Man, one of his <laughs> Rain Man, one of Rain Man's uh, first questions for women are: Are, are you on any? Uh, what's what's the question? Are you taking any uh, prescription medication? So, uh, that was very Rain Man. Rain Man's a uh, Tom Cruise movie from the 80s where I don't remember that line for the movie. Dustin, it's Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. And Dustin Hoffman, he sees a girl that he likes and he says, Are you, you know, what, what prescription medication are you taking? Something along those lines. And, uh, and that's just kind of common talk for him because the world he lives in. in a, well, in, yeah. But I, the point that I'm trying to make is that it's so common for people to be medicated for all these things. And I think that you want to talk about adversity or whatever, like, I'm not a mental health expert, so you can throw all this stuff away, but so many people medicate their problems away instead of trying to address them head on. And there's some people who they they legitimately do need the medication. I get it. But you can look at the explosion of medications and the, the percentage of the population. All these problems existed 50 or 100 years ago, and people somehow got by without these medications. Yeah, and and I think grew to be stronger people. But, Arguably uh, so. Let me let me share a couple of notes that I that I that I wrote down. People uh, create their own drama, but uh, who's seeing tough times right now and overcoming them? People are creating. Everybody. Their own, no, I don't think so. I think people are creating their own drama, but they're not getting past it. I think they're just kind of existing in that drama, and I think you see a lot of that on social media. People just existing in drama constantly i don't think anybody's achieving championship above that drama i think they sampling bias well there's so many people out there that are going through things privately and don't share it or or just aren't going through drama whatsoever the reason why you're saying this is because the the people that are posting this are the ones you're getting the most attention well, also, yeah, so, and, and those posts garner attention, but also, right, so the, obviously, with, well, hang on, hear, hear me out, because I want to share these thoughts, and then we can we can break them down. But also, with social media, everybody is special, and everybody is going to have their fifteen minutes of fame at some point in the future. Everybody has their own web page. Everybody feels special in their own way, and what we're doing with these seventh place trophies is making everybody feel special and that nobody feels like nobody and a lot of times what you need to understand is that for the greater good and in your part in society can oftentimes be nobody and that you have to understand that that you are often nobody when it comes to many many issues so Uh, hold on i I just want to draw another analogy here because i'm agreeing with you but i would say that like 50 or 60 years ago the older generation would have lodged that same criticism against the younger generation and used TV of like, everybody wants to be on TV. 
and like you guys just care about being on TV, so you're gonna do whatever to get on there. And so now, like, replace TV with social media, and well, it's the exact same sentence. Not everybody could be on TV 30, 40, 50 years ago. Now everybody has their own web page. Right, and, but and, you understand what I'm how I'm yeah, see, I'm just seeing yeah, the similarities guess, here, right? right? Let me let me finish my thoughts here. Um, what is courage in 2021? Um, well, hold on, let's just let's not in 2021. Just say what is courage? Well, okay, but what is courage? And then what? But then what is courage in 2021? Is it is it standing up for the like the the current group that you know that's protest, protesting on social media? Whether you're wrong or right, and I'm not, you know, that we have different, we have different groups that are protesting for different reasons. But joining that group does that make you courageous because you're part of a group that's protesting? And uh, hear me on the rest of this. Are you know, comparatively, uh, you know, by contrast, our poorest population today lives like live like kings did a hundred years ago. Oh well, yeah, and, that's and, second and point probably. I want to talk way. about the courage thing because it's got me thinking. All right, hold up, hold up. But but uh, what my point is that our poorest population live live better than kings did a hundred years ago. They don't have to sweat in the summertime. They don't have to freeze in the wintertime. Well, not they the have, absolute poorest. If you're homeless, you're not doing so great. If you're homeless, but also if you're homeless, there's a lot of systems, especially in the United States, that you can live and you can be fed. And and if, if listen, if you're living in a shelter where there's hot showers and there's iced drinks. And there's clean linens in in 2021. Kings didn't have this stuff. Iced drinks, air conditioning. Yeah, yeah. So you used to have to cut way. a block out of the lake. Yeah, you didn't you didn't have that shit 150 years ago. So and 150 years is not that long. So what I'm saying, nope. the point that I'm making is that it, things are pretty soft these days. So when we try to define courageousness, it's your, which cause are you championing when you're well, so when on, you're let's back up what's the definition point? of courage because we need to ha- we need to understand what courage is well well look define I feel, it okay uh i think it's extending yourself into discomfort for some greater good and i feel like comfort kills courageousness okay so so let- I, I, let's i'll simplify that statement creating personal discomfort for a greater good. I think one other thing that's important to add, because I think your definition is pretty good. I would add that for an act to be courageous, it has to carry some risk. Risk. Risk is exactly the word. It has to carry risk. And also the risk reward cannot be in favor of the reward. You have to have some considerable risk to your own person, be it like, financial, physical reputation, you have to carry some kind of risk and there can't really be much of a reward if you succeed. That it's well, that, courage that, is a is, is a largely selfless act that carries a risk that you will bear. But but where what I feel now is that courageousness is people are calling fucking a thousand signs I pass every day saying you're a hero if you wear a mask. Like what is fucking heroism in 2021? Like, well, what's the I mean, differentiation? You want to say that we're, are we cheapening the term? Sure, but, but yes, and I, and that's my point is that we have cheapened this courageousness aspect. So if you walk out the door and you're like, I'm a hero, I put on a fucking mask. Fuck you, you're not a hero. You you're just fucking doing your daily duty as a fucking person. You're not a hero, jackass. No, you, no, you, like, you didn't. The, be, you didn't do shit. You didn't do shit. 
You just lived up to expectation. You wiped your you what you're not a hero for wiping your ass. All right. You're a piece of shit if you don't wipe your own ass, but you're not a hero for wiping your ass. You're just a regular person. And if you don't wipe your own ass, you're a piece of shit. So you don't wear a mask. You want to stand in an elevator or subway that can make you a piece of shit. All right. I'm not having the the mask argument. I'm, I'm actually taking the liberal perspective on this one, saying that if you don't wear a mask, you're a piece of shit. But it doesn't make you a hero. No, make you a hero for wearing a mask. So well, yeah, but that's that's the whole like, gl- like look, bro, cheapening and glorifying ordinary have, acts. We don't have a draft in twenty twenty one. Do you think people that you know you you went off to war and that was your duty sixty years ago, forty years ago? That was your duty. They didn't look at those people even as heroes. They they were at points defined as heroes for going off to war, but that was also it wasn't heroic. It was duty. So heroism was then one level above that. Well, it depends because in World War II, I think the the soldiers that returned from World War II were were, were treated as, as heroes for the most part. After after the fact, yes, uh, upon returning, but upon but, leaving, that was their duty. Yeah, right? you know how many of them didn't want to go? A fucking lot. But that's the point is you look back and you're like, you know what, bro? That was very heroic what you did. That was very courageous what you did. Now, when they left, you're like, this is what you got to do. Now they're like, hey, honey, put on your mask and you'll be a hero. Fuck you, bro. Yeah, you're cheapening the term to motivate behavior. And that's my point. So we are we and that's and that's where I'm saying people you're cheapening the term. But. How can you call a hero in 2021 somebody that slaps a fucking piece of cloth over their mouth, right? And how does that make somebody in 2021 strong? How are you strengthening people by calling them heroes for putting a fucking cotton mask over their, their, well, their lips? I, I, I don't know. I think we've beat this conversation to death. Like, <laughs> but it's but, go ahead. Yeah, like because I'm I I I've kind of taken off a little bit, and I, I gotta I gotta actually step back and and cool myself off because I'm a little pissed off of the fact that the direction that we're going right now. I think you need to divide the, this conversation into two into two ideas. The first is like trying to motivate people to act in altruistic ways and wearing a mask. Although it's a very small thing to do, it is an altruistic gesture Agreed. that you're completely. And like so a lot of people heroic? don't want to do it. No, no but the, the, again, this is somebody out there thought that using these words would help motivate more people to make altruistic gestures. And I don't think that anybody, anybody of sound mind goes out in the world puts on their mask and says, this makes me a hero. And if they do, uh, uh, do then, actually, they, then they're just, not of sound mind. But, I, but so, I disagree with you. And this is where, you know, you're not a big fan of Elon Musk, but I'm like, this is a dude that's extended himself and risked personal bankruptcy and is doing something for this. You know, like, I, I don't necessarily think that he's like Jesus, but I actually think he's doing some cool stuff at his own risk. Mm. And you you may disagree with me, but it's his money and it's his companies and he's he's extending himself and his empire to do cool ish stuff. I'm going to choose not to engage on this one. <laughs> well, look, I, you so know, the I, second I'm, I'm gonna, one is I'm like gonna... when you when you look at actual heroism, like I think 
most, if not all people, can look and see the difference between a person who wears a mask every single day and a firefighter who pulls somebody out of a burning car. Well, yes, and we're not talking like a Batman mask. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but I, I don't. Uh, I, I want to share a few more notes because we're we got we got like seven eight minutes left. But and I want to get through the rest of my notes to to and then we can break them down. But I have some notes saying that, that now we don't celebrate courage, but we uphold victimhood. I agree with the second part, but I don't think it's a we thing. I think, again, this is a sampling bias based on exposure to social media. Fair, uh, fair enough. But social media is something that we all have exposure to. So, so that's, I, that's, I, the, I, that's, the, that's the sample. And, and that's, so, the, yeah, that's the but audience. In terms of rewarding courage, I think we do. It's just that it's hard to find genuine examples of it right now. Well, all right. So the next the next note I have here is a Martin Luther King Jr. quote that we shouldn't be judged by the color of our skin, but the content of our character. And I feel like we have lost value in character. And we're now as kind of assigning people as groups and beliefs. And that if you belong to a certain group, you should be celebrated for that group's beliefs, but not by the content of your own character so that people believe that they belong to a group, but they may not act that way. And, you know, they're defining their, their character by the group's identity, but not actually by what their character is. And that's, you know, I have, you know, we have uh, friends that tell us all the time, you know, I'm actually a really smart person. You don't know this. Like, well, your, your actions would, your actions would indicate <laughs> Your actions would indicate otherwise. So stupid is, is as stupid does. The, the point is that, you know, when somebody tells you they're a really honest person, but then you witness what they do and you witness their deception, you know, they're not they're not an honest person. Like at the end of the day, their character and their actions are what we should be judging them by, not by what groups they belong to. Well, that's why generally you should avoid trying to describe yourself in such terms. Just do things and let people judge your character based on your actions and make your actions good. Um, but that's easy for us to discuss. And, and, but we don't, there's not a lot of that happening right now. Yeah. But in terms of like, well, I don't know. There's a lot to, to unpack there too, because the, the whole like group identity thing that that's always existed. I think when you were, when you started off the, the thing that, jumped into my head was the concept of winning and results oriented thinking where it doesn't matter how you get to where you want to end up as long as you end up there and that's really kind of dangerous to go down that path because you can achieve anything if you're willing to make enough sacrifices and you can achieve even more if you're willing to cause harm to others in your pursuit of of doing so well here's a note but you shouldn't do that sure fair enough here's a note <laughs> that i have there 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 was a conversation that i caught part of this morning on uh on the news about how they wanted to remove this uh thomas jefferson statue because he owned slaves and what when i heard that instantly i thought 
you know, there were there were black people back in the day, not many of them who owned slaves. And then my mind. Instantly, but we don't have statues of them. OK, fair enough. But they also weren't presidents. So uh, then my mind uh, went to the cancellation of anybody who's made a mistake in their past. So Tom, I don't think that's that. I think that's an exaggeration. Well, I think that a lot of the stuff that we talk about on this podcast, somebody could take it out of context or oftentimes even in context. And the fact that we're discussing them or for the most part, you and I are having a conversation where we're where we're we may not even believe in the point that we're making. And this is a lot of the issue that David and I have is that I'm trying to feel out and pound out my perspective and my opinion on something but i'm trying to pound it out and he's not he's not he's just hitting he was hitting back with like a tennis racket and i was like look let you know, help me help me sound this opinion out but but the fact that i'm taking an opinion that's an unpopular opinion and trying to figure out where you know where it has grip uh and then maybe finding out that it doesn't but but airing okay. out th that entire opinion could set us up to be shit on or canceled. Yeah. Uh, so two things. One, I know that Rosh is pushing us towards a topic, which I think we're just going to have to address on Thursday. But to come back to your idea about like the statues and everything, I think what the idea of having statues to people that were once revered, that now that we know more about the life that they led, it a statue is naturally going to be glorifying for whoever that statue is made of. Sure. And but so back in 1850, when they put up that statue, who was, who was saying we shouldn't have put up the statue? Nobody, because people still own slaves. Okay. So now in retrospect, this, this statue is, is to a degree, a part of history. Now, it's not also a defeated part of history, right? Like, it's not, it wasn't challenging to the U.S. I, and again, I, I, have, I have mixed feelings on that. I don't, I don't know exactly how I feel. But what I was thinking when I heard this was, you know, we had this guy who was president, and he was doing what everybody else was doing back then, and it wasn't right, right? But Okay, but, but I, I know, hate it, doing this, but it actually, it's really, I, I think it, it makes sense here, is if you put up a statue of Hitler in Germany and say, this is part of our past. And this person had a major but impact Hitler, on this country. But Hitler was defeated. Nobody went to war and beat Thomas Jefferson. He existed and passed away. And then a hundred years later, people have issue with something that he did. That yeah, wasn't, he, that wasn't his agenda. That wasn't, his it doesn't, agenda. it doesn't matter. You can look and say, we shouldn't be glorifying a person like this. Well, because, but, but but in 150 years, when nobody eats meat because killing other animals is bad, and you have James Boswell, who was a celebrated co-host on a podcast, and the podcast still exists, should we be tearing that down from YouTube because he was a meat eater? Because that's the very it's false analogy. It's, no, I, I think it's, it's the fact that right now you are killing other animals or hiring people to kill other animals for you. And in 50 years, that's going to be frowned upon. James, who wore leather skin jackets, 
and 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 for don't jacket. have any leather jackets okay but you you, you see where i'm going with this but and, and, and I, think, I think that this is this is either a false analogy or a slippery slope fallacy because it I, i'll give you some slippery slope but i won't i'm not going to say it's a slippery slope fallacy i i think that there's some traction on that slope um i want to i want to uh fuck we're out of time all right so but my point was ripping people apart about past mistakes that in that well, time were perfectly acceptable. But I don't think that that's the case. I think I don't think that we're ripping apart people who did things that were acceptable in their time. I think we're looking at things. There, there's a dividing line of what did you do in your time? And should we be glorifying you as a person for it? And you can look at people that are still alive that might have done regrettable things and there's there's a camp that have atoned for their mistakes and there's a camp that haven't and you see the differential treatment there all right we out adios thank you for joining us if you have not already please 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 subscribe or if you're not down to subscribe for whatever reason that is interact with this podcast some other way i like it share it comment anything you do helps us out and i will truly Truly, I already am so grateful. Thank you again. See you next time. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.